Hello and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Perno. Today on the show, I have Tom Deans, founder of the Willing Wisdom Index. Tom Deans is a well-known author and speaker on the subject of estate planning and succession planning. He's put together an online tool for assessing people's current estate plan and helping them facilitate those conversations with their advisors and their families. And with that, here's my interview with Tom. Hello, Tom. Hey, great to be here, Jason. Good. Thanks for coming in. Hey, long time. Yeah. We've been wanting to do this for a long time. Yes, it was a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like probably literal couple. Huh? But anyway, so Tom Deans of the Willing Wisdom Index. Tell us about the Willing Wisdom Index. It is really best understood as a client engagement tool. So it, it is uh, it is a tool that is used by advisors to, to either prospect or to take their existing clients faster and further with their current planning. So whereas many other tools are actually trying to store and record various asset classes. This is way, this comes way before that. This is just to get a conversation started between the advisor and the client or the prospect and or a conversation started between the client and their family. Mm -hmm. So we know from study after study that just people are really reluctant to talk about aging and dying and ultimately death. And so they, they just avoid the subject and the consequences are tragic. And then layer, layer over top of that, this massive wealth transfer. And mm -hmm. then of course, layer over top of that, the most, I think, compelling piece of data, which is 80% of inherited money packs up and moves to a new financial advisor. That's right. Primarily because the advisor has not reached out and done any work on the estate plan. So the surviving family go, you know what? We're out of here. We're done. So that's really what the Willing Wisdom Index is. It's a questionnaire that starts conversations with clients and families. Excellent. So we're going to dive into that experience in a minute. And you, you touched on a number of topics that I've marked down we're going to come back to. But let's talk about your history and what caused you to start that. And, and some preface to this, the first time I saw you speak, I was trying to remember, it was like probably 15 years ago now. So uh, yeah. you're a well-known person on the, um, well-known speaker on the speaking circuit. Well, I actually am a full-time professional speaker. And mm -hmm. so, uh, and it's a it's a very uh, odd career path that I've had. I started off as a, uh, a career in banking, as a speechwriter, actually, for, <laughs> uh, for a large Canadian bank for the CEO and, and chairman. And then I got a phone call to take over the family business. And uh, we were, our family was in plastics manufacturing. Actually, we've had a couple of generations that have been in manufacturing. I ran that family business. I joined it in 1999, ran it for eight years as CEO, and then ultimately sold that business. And then I wrote a book about that story. And it's a very different book. And that book is called Every Family's Business. Mm -hmm. It went on to become a New York Times top 10, the best-selling family business book of all time. You've been Prime on my shelf for years, and every now and then a client will stumble across and say, like, this spoke to me. So well done there. Well, well, thank you. And I think the reason why it was so successful was First of all, I've done a lot of speaking, but the speech and the book has a very different message. Mm -hmm. It's a very simple message. Don't gift, don't give, don't gift your family business, your operating business to your kids. If they, if they want it, they need to buy it. They need yep. to risk capital to purchase it. So that simple idea made that book stand out from other family business books. And uh, consequently, it found its audience. And then I followed it up with a sequel or a prequel or something, but I probably should have wrote the second book first, because this is really <laughs> a book called Willing Wisdom, yeah. of which the Willing Wisdom Index is based on. What I found out after six years of speaking on every family's business was that business owners are no more likely or less likely to have a will. So we I would say less, given how busy they are well, and how many excuses they can find for how busy they are. Absolutely. Yeah. And the bigger the business, the harder they fall and mm -hmm. the more complex their estate. So the more reasons to dither and not 
duo will. Absolutely. So in many respects, I, I think I wrote the books out of order. They're standalone books, so they don't need to be read as a series. But so Willing Wisdom really tackles that issue. How can business owners, how can anyone look at the transition of wealth in a different way? Instead of it being this awkward, horrific subject that people avoid at all costs, how can we flip that and allow the advisor to put themselves in the center of that conversation and really start what I think is the most exciting conversation of a person's lifetime? Because it really puts their entire life in perspective as they as they think about how their wealth will impact their surviving family, their charities of choice, and their communities. I think it is an exciting conversation, and that's what the Willing Wisdom Index tries to do, is take the messages in the book and breathe life into the book and give advisors a practical tool to follow up with clients after they've read the book. And that's a great little tool there, because I mean, you can play that one way or the other, right? You can give them the index, you can give them the book mm. and help stimulate that part of the conversation they may be reluctant to. And it's, you know, unfortunately, the alternative is, is in many cases horrific. I mean, every advisor's got stories of poorly handled estates and I, uh, you know, the, the families that they ruin or the bad consequences in terms of taxation. I mean, one of the ones that broke my heart the most was um, case very early on in my career, contacted by the son of a deceased gentleman who had an insurance policy nine months after he died. He came in with his mother who didn't speak a lick of English. And basically what happened was that there was no will. And what the father would do is he'd look at the statement, he'd throw it away. So when he died, there were literally no records of anything. Wow. So it took, the only reason that they came in was because nine months later, they got they were just looking for anything coming in the mail with his name on it. Right. They got a statement from an insurance company, discovered they had an insurance policy, which would have alleviated so much stress on the, on the front end if they had known it existed. And the level of resentment you can see in their eyes towards that man. It's like, that is not the way any of us should ever want to be remembered. Yeah. So let that be, you know, that's this extreme example. But frankly, I will, my piece of advice on this to anyone listening is that the easiest way to destroy the memory your family has of you is to not leave in a state that is basically in order. It is a nightmare that goes on for years. Yeah. And I would add to that, Jason, it's a great story. I would add that the surviving family members project their dissonance for the person in the ground. They yep. project it on the, the incumbent advisor. Oh, yeah. They figure that they're, they, were, com they were complicit in that. And in many cases, they're just completely not. Or they see it as an area they don't take care of and assumed it was taken care of, which is not something we can afford to do, quite right. honestly. Which is a good place to interject. Absolutely. Half of all advisors <laughs> are missing a will. I know. So, I know. I've seen the stats. I know. It's hilarious. Well, it's like the entire, I love the entire like advisors who are in the business of succession planning with their clients, yet they have no succession plan of their own. And it's like, do you basically go to a chef who doesn't eat his own cooking? Like, right. I, don't, I don't ever understand that. But. Well, there's an old saying that, that advisors do just enough advising and planning not to lose a client. That's a world apart oh. from the bold, confident advisor who is facing robos and yep. fee compression and all the other external threats that are changing this industry. That's a big gap from that bold advisor who is confident that they have done their own work and is yep. not shy to say to a good client, look, I'm not asking you to do anything that I haven't done myself. And I can tell you that my own family meetings that led to my will was tricky and it was difficult. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Our family persevered and I feel really confident about, about the way that I'm leaving my wealth to my family. Well, 
Who doesn't want to do work with that kind of advisor? Absolutely. So let's talk about the actual experience of the Will and Wisdom Index and essentially what the end point, how the advisor utilizes this, what the end result is. Right. So we started out uh, with access codes and, and quickly realized that we had to simplify the distribution of this tool to both prospects and clients. So we've we changed access codes to a permanent link. So mm -hmm. the advisor merely has a, a link that they email to their clients or prospects. The client clicks on that link. It takes them to a unique web page where they can watch a video and to see what this thing is. All they have to do, all the client or prospect has to do is enter their first name and email and up pops the checklist. We don't call it a questionnaire. Yep. People don't like answering questionnaires. It sounds yeah, like they're being evaluated and measured. Every financial planner knows that. So it's a checklist <laughs> and, it, and the checklist doesn't produce a report. It produces a to-do list. Well, who doesn't love lists? People love lists. So it's not preachy and it's not, uh, it, it doesn't measure people or evaluate people. It really is helpful. Does it give you a D minus for not being ready? It does give you a little, a couple of different little okay, that's uh, not a reference letter grades. Preet, that was not a shot at you. Anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> so it takes eight minutes. Yeah. And listen, if someone doesn't have eight minutes to figure out how they can reduce their legal fees when yep. they go and get their will done, and I'll talk about how they can do that. If you how think a will is expensive, try dying without one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, or try or try going into a lawyer and saying to the lawyer, hey, I need a will. What do you think I should do? And of course, the lawyer is thinking, what do you think? How do I know what you, you should, should do? do? I have yeah. no idea. And then they spend the next three hours at $500 an hour trying yeah. to figure out what a basic will should look like. And this is one of the easy value propositions that planners can deliver. And we tell our clients all the time, when we sit down with the lawyer for the will, guess what? All the ducks are in a row. Yeah. We have, we're going to hand them over statements of everything you have with us. We're going to hand over now reports. We're leveraging technology to basically do the outline of the, of the estate plan. So by the time the lawyer gets it, 90% of the work is done. 10% is what did I miss? Yeah. What else needs to be discussed? How do you flush all this out? And then they can draft. Love it. And the lawyers love it because it's the easiest estate deal they ever do. And they get to come in on budget and no one ever complains about the price. Well, you know, it's interesting. We don't even market to lawyers. We don't even try. Mm -hmm. On the surface, you think, well, how, how much are they going to love this? Because we're talking about reducing legal fees. They don't care. They love it when a client comes in and says, look, here's what I want. Here's the name of my executor. Here's how their name is spelled. Here's the name of my backup executor. Yeah. Here's how their name is spelled. And here's their address. Boom, 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 boom. That three-hour meeting turns into a 35-minute meeting. And what do you think their legal fees are to have a will prepared? No, the bare minimum. Like yeah. you're talking five to 600 bucks Absolutely. for the will. And the advisor looks like a genius because... Oh, are you ready for this, Jason? Mm -hmm. They've added value. Exactly. Oh my God, I wish there we had go. a dollar for every time some advisor says, you know, yep. we add we add lots of value to our client relationships. Sure really? Do. How do you how do you do that? Crickets. So this is a <laughs> this is an absolute perfect example of adding yep. value to a relationship. A simplified tool for building a moat around your client. I totally get it. So we touched upon a number of uh, so you, you do produce a PDF report though that basically outlines the responses and everything else that Correct. goes go to the advisor. Correct. So they get a very simple, you know, there's not the need to integrate into 20 other different consoles. You got a simple report to work off that relays the information to you in a usable format. So, right. And it also, I will say this much, also shows due diligence because I often joke, joke, <laughs> laugh about the fact that we don't get sued enough in this industry. And frankly, I mean, at some point, the question becomes like, you know, one of the easiest things they see screwed up all the time is at least in Canada, I got to double check this in the States, the last destination of beneficiary wins. And the number of times I see people just willy nilly naming whatever beneficiary on opening up an account or when they transfer over an account without consulting the will to see, oh, wait a sec, did I even screw up a trust? Yep. Right. Like it happens all the time. Yep. And it's just a matter if we don't take this level of diligence and making sure that not only do we know what's that there is a will, but what's on the will and that we're not screwing up the will. It's the easiest document in the client's life to screw up if you're not careful. I would add that if you're an advisor and you have a client over 65, be forewarned, one in three people over 65 have some degree of dementia. It yeah. is a huge problem. People, really clients is. are living much longer. Yeah. And if you're an advisor and you're taking trading instructions from a client and you don't hold a copy of their power of attorney. Yep. 
say goodnight, Irene. They yeah. are in peril. So we know that if a client does not have a will, they don't have a power of attorney. No, people don't go in for a power of attorney yeah. without asking first for a will. So we know that they go hand in glove. So we have subscribers, advisors who are just merely subscribing so that they it's part of their due diligence. They send yeah. a link to every single one of their clients over age 50. Yep. And whether the client completes the checklist or not, they've done their part. We had a case like that recently. A woman clearly had dementia. She was very good at masking it, but you would call them three days apart and no one rec remember the previous call. And you know that was exactly what we did. We pulled up her power of attorney, contacted the the child, basically saying, "Look, we have we can't tell you anything about the finances or what's going on because you haven't activated the power of attorney, but we think you should." Awesome. Yeah, well, that's it's, excellent. You have to. You have to. It's it's like I mean the liability we're going to have too for for you know like did you? I mean like the thing is that the the wills. I'm sorry. The the law typically defaults to the old person needs to be protected. That just seems to be the thing. Again, I've right. heard it from lawyers say like if the person's over 65, all the liabilities just smack on the advisor for everything that goes wrong. And if we're not making taking steps to be aware of what happens as a natural transition in life and protecting ourselves against that, our li our businesses have liability. So let's talk about common obstacles that people put in place and say are the issue when it comes to doing a will and how you feel that this helps overcome that. I think the obstacle is in many cases, and I alluded to it earlier, the, the advisors are shy about this subject. They feel like they, they're going to be asked a question. If they open up the subject of mm -hmm. estate plan, they're going to be asked a question. They're not going to know the answer and they're going to feel dumb. But it's okay not to know the answer. It's, 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 <laughs> that's who I want to deal with. I want to deal with the advisor yeah. who goes, I don't know, but I will endeavor yeah, to find that's out. That's a great question. Let me double check. Let me double check. Yeah. Or, you know what? We feel confident referring to three different law firms, but we really encourage you to look for fit and talk to all three and see what's right for you. And there may be someone outside that three, but we we feel confident yep. that they can work to our quality yeah. of standards. Or, you know, the three, I feel you should deal with this one because your particular situation fits right. their specialization. Right. So in a way, this is, this is not asking advisors to be estate planning experts. In fact, quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's saying this is important as a piece of your financial plan, and we're going to help you reduce your legal costs to get this piece in place. And really, the rest is up to you. What we learned early on is that advisors who actually share their own PDF, their own report, their really? own checklist, yeah. first of all, the client doesn't have to spend eight minutes figuring out what this thing is. They actually see their advisor's report. The old, the old show and tell. Show, show them the, so like, the benefit before they invest the time. And the advisor goes, look, I got, uh, I, I scored uh, 73 out of 100. I've got work to do. I still have work to do. That's a good score, but I still have work to do. And look at my recommendations. I mean, you can see how practical and easy, easy they are. Yep. So it that is crucial. And then it's just plain old follow-up. And we have some subscribers who are actually benchmarking all their clients over age 50. So they're they're really pushing it and encouraging hmm. and sharing their own reports and benchmarking and then saying to the client, look, next year, we're just going to see if we can raise your score 10 points, yep. uh, 15 points. I mean, there's an old saying, you can eat a cow one burger at a time. It's not about getting the perfect yep. will right out of the gate. It's about starting and building confidence around this subject and getting a little bit better every year. Yeah, And being able to revisit it as times change, because once you've tackled the first time as life alters it's interesting how it can flip right where whereas once you've educated and taken through the process something will happen in their lives and they say well do i need to revisit my will like they're the ones who sometimes turn around and initiate the discussion oftentimes the answer is no but it is yeah. what it is but you know it's such a i understand you know i kind of understand advisors frustration especially if there's not one they're not ones who basically have uh, spent time in this because there is the unknown unknown but even when we educate people, I tell you, this is this is one area that does two things. A, I always warn people when we start this conversation, look, we're going to talk about unfortunate stuff. 
have to deal with it because otherwise we're not going to be ready for it. Preface it like that. And, you know, sometimes they'll say like, wow, this was a depressing conversation. It's like, yeah, but what's more depressing is this not being taken care of and dealing with it afterwards, which they typically agree to. What I also find is uh, a lot of times you run into the people who just don't like the reality of the situation. And they're like, well, why do I have to do it this way? Why can't I do it like this? And it's like, well, no, the state law doesn't let you do that. And this person has rights, that person has rights. And then they just kind of get angry at the entire process. That's not a reflection on you. It's a reflection on their own frustration about their manifestation about having to deal with this topic. We, at our core, should always be counselors to people. So frankly, this is something we can guide them through that has an enormous amount of amount of value. Now, I want to go back to the benchmarking point you made mm. earlier. I mean, if you're competitive like me, nothing makes you want to work harder than a benchmark study that shows you're under average. So have you seen, how long has this been going on? And how have you seen the average score for these advisors who are benchmarking like significantly increase over time? Or how's that working? So the Willing Wisdom Index was launched two and a half years ago. And, yep. and answered your question, yes. Mm. Yes, those, those benchmark scores are going up. And the advisors are kind of using those recommendations in a very practical way to, first of all, lead that client to a lawyer. You cannot score over 50 out of 100 if you do not have a will, power of attorney, and a healthcare directive. You just can't. You can't. So mm -hmm. immediately having done that, people pop up over 50 and feel, hey, here we go. And usually they're popping up from 25 to 37, immediately into the 60s, hmm. and then they feel good. To get into the 70s and 80s and 90s, uh, score-wise on the index, you really have to be having family meetings. Yes. Why is this important to the client? For obvious reasons. There is a massive intergenerational wealth transition. Huge. Uh, yep. $205 million every day in Canada, just over a billion dollars every day in America. It is a tsunami of money. And so advisors who do not know the names of their clients' children and their spouses' names, man, they're building a diminishing asset. Good luck to you. A him. valued asset. So the family meeting, in order to get up into the 70s and 80s and 90s, you got to be having family meetings. As, you, as the advisor, you need to be calling these meetings, and now you get to know the kids. Yeah. Without stating the obvious, if you're helping a client get a will and you're offering just to give a cursory review of the will, guess what? you kind of know where the money is going to be going exactly. uh, without having to state the obvious. I'll go one step further. I mean, I often go to conferences where advisors complain about, how, you know, clients wanting them to deal with their small potatoes kids. And whether they be small potatoes at age 20 or small potatoes at age 50, it doesn't really matter. But they almost get like, oh, but, you know, this client's not profitable. It's like, excuse me, the yeah. super profitable client is the one who's footing the bill really for the non-profitable one. And secondly, like, do you, again, it's a diminishing asset. You're basically going to lose this. And lastly, is this the way you would want your kids to be treated? Like at the end of the day, these kids are not a liability. They are an asset. They are the ones who are going to inherit the wealth. And they're going to be, and if they have a relationship with you that can be spurred on by the implementation of this family meeting, then basically not only are you securing the future for your business, you're creating the next generation of client base. Absolutely. And I would also add that there's a lot of generation skipping. So you've got grandparents jumping over their own kids leaving staggering amounts of money yep. to grandchildren and advisors who have written off those grandchildren as, I don't know, unprofitable accounts. Shocker. They missed the train. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, do you think you're going to capture the time that it transfers? It's not going to happen. XYPN uh, in the US, basically, there was a really good interview with one of their, one of their people on one of their podcasts. And that's when the light bulb went off of what they're really doing. They're targeting Generation X and Generation Y because guess what? Those are the ones who are inheriting everything, right? Yep. They figured out a profitable business model to service those people as a niche. And then now these people are just sitting there waiting for the paychecks to roll or the inheritance checks to roll in. And it's like, yeah, you think, you know what? If, they, if someone else gets there and establishes an actual true value proposition to that kid, kid or adult, child, whatever it might be, they are the ones who are going to retain that business, yep. not 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 daddy's old gray-haired advisor who couldn't be bothered to uh, call you and calls you Timmy, even though your name is Tom, uh, right. <laughs> that sort of stuff. Right.
I have to say, I was shocked when we when we developed this this tool. We always thought it would, we target people fifty and older. Yeah. Obviously, that's there's more urgency for them to, to get cracking with their estate yeah. plan. What shocked us was the number of advisors who were started to share their link with young adults, encouraging them to just forward the email, the link, mm -hmm. to their parents. What a great way that for the for yeah. the advisors. It's quite the prospect. Yeah, well. it's amazing. It yeah. works great. And next thing you know, the advisor is sitting in front of the kids and the parents and they're collecting clients. That's it. Yep. And it's it's just, it's a more solid relationship. I mean, in our practice specifically, we deal with, those, with a small number of households, but some of those households go so, like I'm dealing with one household in particular, three generations deep, soon to be four, probably in the next little one. Mm -hmm. No, actually, yeah, very soon to be four. And essentially, the literally, I have the this giant extended web of the family where I'm dealing with everything. And you know what? And I'm loved by all of them. So it's great. It's a great right. feeling because you know what? I'm the one taking care of all of them from the yeah. outside. And families are sticky, right? They are sticky, Even right? Even if you have one dissatisfied yeah. family member, yeah. it's hard for them to get the yeah. entire family unit to pack up yeah. and move to a new advisor. Well, or God forbid I screw up something for one of them. And yeah. you know, I'm always going to be apologetic if that happens, but they're, they're annoyed. It's like, go ahead and try to badmouth me to the rest of the family. They'll be like, really, Jason? Did he apologize? Come on. Yeah. break you know this jason <laughs> like, <laughs> well you know i've i've given over a thousand paid speeches in 26 countries and yeah. i've never met an advisor who said he wasn't hunting high net worth clients well this not is, one yeah this is why i was laugh, laugh about the concept of the advice gap it's like find me a client, an advisor who isn't taking on clients right right <laughs> like yeah. especially in the high net worth space yeah. yeah they all want high net worth and ultra high net worth yeah. well and then I, my quick question is, well, that's great. So what are you doing to attract families? How are you training yourself or how prepared are you to facilitate yep. a family meeting? Absolutely. And a smooth wealth transfer. And that's and what then, happens in the family office space, right? Yep. Like they make yep. sure that they basically, it's not even a question. Oh yeah, your, your kid who basically sits around on the couch at age 25 playing video games, we're still going to talk to him. We're still going to coach him on money. We're still going to do yep. all this, right? Because it's not you that's hiring us. It's the entire family that's hiring us. Yeah. Even in the business owner space, Jason, I have mm -hmm. to tell you when it's so awkward for advisors to broach the subject of with a business owner, how they're making out with their succession plan. What I learn is that the index and the book can start that conversation. When you ask someone for their will, it's like an x-ray. It's like an MRI, a snapshot of, 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 of where that where yeah. that business owner's mind's at. Absolutely. And when you can see in the will that the business is going to be gifted to four kids, that the four kids are going to be thrust into business together as equal shareholders, voting shares, you can see the insanity of that. But you can see now the door is, there's a yeah. crack in the and door. And one of them doesn't work in the business and the one doesn't want to be in the business. It's, like it's, it's not going to work. Oh, it's not going to work. It's, you know, Covey said, you know, start with the end in mind. It was one of his seven yeah. habits. It's my favorite habit. And yeah. that's really what this index is doing. It says, look, what does the end of your life look like? What does the end of your life look like in terms of who's providing your late in life care? And when you as a family can sit down and look into the future collaboratively and look at that care issue, mm -hmm. you're also looking at your will issue and you're stripping away the secrecy around who gets what, when, and how. Mm -hmm. What an exciting moment that is for a family to be able to stop assuming stuff and start planning for the ultimate and inevitable transition of wealth. Yeah. And the advisor who makes that conversation happen, oh my goodness, yeah. they and, will and, dominate their space. And a conflict that exists between people's minds for what they think they're entitled to versus what they're actually going to get, right? I mean, yep. the unfortunately, uh, I like to I make the unfortunate joke that uh, estate lawyers have both the most amusing and most tragic stories I've ever heard. Every year I go to a estate planning conference and they go over case law of elder abuse and it is frightening and, and, and travesty. Yep. And you know what? You wonder sometimes 
how much is because they assume that they were entitled to it as opposed to let's have a conversation this is my these are my wishes this is how it's going to happen one of the things i always advise people to do is it's one thing to hear it on a piece of paper from a lawyer it's something else entirely for us to sit down and to, for them to hear from mom and dad directly it right. is a lot harder to disregard that wish when it's told to you so one of the only ways that you can pop into the 90s on the willing wisdom index is if you actually have disclosed the contents of your will with your intended beneficiaries which is a very difficult and troubling thing for some very, people very very yeah. incredibly difficult yeah. i mean half of the lawyers are missing wills as well so that whole disclosure oh, good lord yeah no it's it, it's a train wreck out there i mean you have 125 million american adults without a will you have 12.5 million canadian adults wait a without one, a will. okay just let me do that wait a minute 120 it's like oh my god that's more than two that's more than a full third oh and that's like we're not even oh if you discount kids then you're looking at oh probably closer to 50 percent yeah. That is painful it's to think of. 125 million American adults. That's a lot of intestacy. Absolute, four U.S. presidents died without a will. Two were lawyers. Oh, God. This Was subject, one of them? I mean, <laughs> no. I mean, every year in America, more than one billionaire dies intestate. You think wealthy business owners With the are the 40% estate tax? Are you out of your mind, they, <laughs> It happens all the time. Oh, my God. Because people figure that they can time their estate plan like an oil change. They'll know exactly when that moment is right to gather family and tell how it's going to go down. And the reality is bad things happen to good people all the time when they least expect it. Fun fact, of the very few states that actually have their own estate tax, Nebraska is one of them. Anyone want to guess why? Why? Who lives in Omaha? Oh, of course. <laughs> You're waiting for Berkshire Hathaway stock. Of course. Of course. <laughs> anyway, so that's besides the point. Overall, though, I got to say, anything that helps facilitate the conversation that is uncomfortable and helps basically get better outcomes for clients while simultaneously creating an opportunity to build deeper relationships and more relationships with clients is a winner in my book. So thank you for, for putting this together. So before we wrap up, a couple of questions as always. Yep. So the first one is, if you had one wish for something you can change in the industry or what it is you're doing, what would it be? It would be the more advisors feel confident to do their own estate planning and then channel their own stories. Just keep telling their own stories mm -hmm. of how they struggle with their estate plan. That is where the authenticity and the respect and the trust is built with clients. It's not being the perfect button down advisor. It's about being human yeah. and frail and subject to all the same kind of complexities in their own lives as that their clients are experiencing. Yeah. That's where trust is built. So, and that more advisors would obviously jump on this tool. It is incredibly affordable. It's embarrassingly affordable. Let's talk about that price. What's the price tag? The price is $1,000 for an unlimited use subscription per year. This allows the advisor yeah, to share nice. this link via yeah. email. They can share their link on social media. They can at Facebook, Twitter, yeah. they can send it. You just think of how many conversations and how many millions of people could otherwise who would ignore this subject would actually write a will and, and you know avoid the kind of litigation that is grinding families and estates and yeah. their money and their relationships right to the ground. Yeah. It's interesting. I uh a state planner I know is well known speaks at conferences. He basically opened with, you know, you do realize that we're planning ourselves out of a business, right? That the more effective we are at actually doing our jobs before people die, the less money we'll all make. <laughs> like, he's like, but let's be honest, this is the right thing to do. And there's probably never going to, we're never going to get to 100%, so we'll still make that money. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, no, I, in, in fact, I would argue that, I mean, there are so few advisors doing a good job of this. Uh, that if you're looking for a way of differentiating yourself in your own community, there is yep. no better place in estate planning because it is literally like the Wild West. And let's go back to your point about getting serious about their own estate planning, for example. And this is yep. a common question that comes up that still makes me shake my head. It's the entire... I don't, you know, when I talk to advisors, because I get referred, lots of them come to me saying, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing X in my business. What do you think? 
And the first question is, okay, well, that's what you want to market to. What have you done yourself in that regard, right? So it's like, what do you mean? It's like, well, you're talking about your invest. You're talking about your investments. Oh, so you're talking about financial plan. Have you done a financial plan for yourself? No. Do you invest the same way your clients do? Well, no, because well, I don't care why the because is. The right. reality is, is that that's hypocrisy. You're talking about integrating living benefits more thoroughly in your insurance process or just getting into insurance. How much insurance do you have? The tax planning, how much of, of these, how many of these strategies have you implemented for yourself? Yeah. And the estate planning, where's your will? Like you are your own best test subject. You can afford to make the bumbling mistakes yourself and learn where you go wrong, to go through the experience yourself and build the experience around that. The simple thing of the one that always drives me nuts, I want to target business owners. Really, when's the last time you looked at your own financials? When the taxes were due. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Apple looks at them once a year too. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to coach business owners and deal with business owners, you should learn to how to run your own business the same way you're basically espousing. So the message to everybody out there is this is a common problem in our industry where we want to be seen as something or want to provide a service, but we don't need our own cooking. And that is that is a question that is that clients have asked me many times mm -hmm. and that I have won countless amounts of business because they're like, do you own this or do you do this? And the answer better be yes, yes. or if not, it better be a very good reason. Like it doesn't long-term care. I'm too young for long-term care insurance. It's not the market, but I will definitely be looking at it at a certain point in my life. Yeah. And I would, I would say the advisors who carry a copy of their own will in their, in their briefcase mm -hmm. to every client meeting, to be, able to, yep. to be able to pull out your own will and say, look, there's a lot of superstition in this, around this subject. If people write a will, talk about a will, it's have a family meeting, uh, there's a lot of people that think that, you know, as soon as you do this stuff, you're immediately going to die or you're going to accelerate oh, your I death. Know. I really want to fund a study that says that people who actually have a will, touch the will, read their will, actually live longer because they actually yeah. have a family that are engaged in the subject of their long-term care. They've talked about it collaboratively and they have a plan. I would bet on that. I mean, it's kind of funny. It's almost like the, the stat that shows that people with annuities tend to live longer too, right? Yeah. And, you know, the only, the only kind of like correlation someone can draw is, well, there's probably a reduced amount of stress on income security or something like that. Okay. Makes yeah. sense. Maybe that is the case. Who knows? But I would think that this specific issue or topic, not being a point of stress at different points in one's life is only going to help as well. Yeah. Yeah. So second question for you, what's been the biggest challenge in getting to where you are today with the Willing Wisdom Index? Biggest challenge, obviously, is just cutting through the noise and explaining what this thing is and how it works. But it's also a sales wedge. So we're, we're actually capping the number of subscriptions in Canada at 200 advisors at $1,000 okay. and 2,000 advisors in the U.S. So as a great sales wedge, Julie, you can imagine, Jason, that if you took your link yep. and you, you gave it to a high net worth client and they scored, oh, I don't know, seven out of 100, what do you think he's thinking about his current advice yep. that he's receiving on this subject from so now your foot you are leaning through the door you are through the door and you're engaging this client in a conversation that he's not had so it is a wedge and wedges work great when yeah. you don't have 25 advisors in a small community running around sharing the same tool i would flip it also to say there's nothing stopping us for from taking you know the work we've done on estates already from taking that questionnaire and actually filling it out on clients behalf because well, we, if we if we're doing yeah. it, if you know then basically you know what you don't have to <laughs> so the danger is well i'm going to show them this i'm going to show how little i've done well no you can basically bench Mark yourself and say, look, I took this test for you. We're at 75%. We need to get you to 100. Like, yep. here's how we're going to do Love it. it. That's it. So what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and what gets you up every morning to continue to travel to all the different conferences you do every day and continue to push the Willing Wisdom Index out there? Yeah. So, you know, as a professional speaker, it's, it hasn't escaped my attention that after doing this for over 12 years and a thousand page speeches in 26 countries, <laughs> you know, with 200 people in my room, 500 people oh, in the room, God. I'll do the odd conference the, with 2,000. First people. of all, I want your travel miles. Secondly, <laughs> I'm exhausted just hearing the, the amount of quantity. It is, it's an insane business, but I love it. Yeah. And I'm passionate about my message. That being said, it occurred to me that I'm touching tens of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. But think of that, that number I shared, 125 million people without a will. 
I can't do this on my own. I nope. need to enlist the support of, of the best advisors. Yep. And the best advisors don't spend $1,000 on tools. They're not curious. Advisors who are indifferent to their craft. Let's define best, right? Because unfortunately, this industry is always measured best based on production and not yeah. on client outcome. Oh, yeah. Right? No, I'm talking, about I'm talking about measuring best by in terms of retention and, yep. and you know feedback from clients that are like, this guy is unbelievable. I'm referring him to, I'm not referring, I'm introducing him to my family members. That's, That's best. Exactly. That's best in class. That's who I want to attract. That's who I want sharing this tool by the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people can receive this, this invitation, this link to get their own checklist, their own, their own to-do list. Fantastic. And, and then pick their own lawyer to go implement the recommendations on the report. So sitting, yep. there's 60 questions in this tool, 60 questions, takes eight minutes, click, 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 hit enter, and boom, they receive a PDF. There's sitting behind these 60 questions is a 43,000 word document. The algorithm is pulling various responses and yep. based on the combination of, of clicks and producing this really custom report that lets people know that here's your path forward. Yeah. So end of the day, you're helping solve that big gap. I'm still staggered by those numbers in the States. Oh, that's, that's crazy. But it's it's frightening. And, uh, you know, this is why we have things like get a will month. The reality is anyone who hasn't, any advisor listening, any person listening, bottom line is if you're over 18, first of all, you probably need the least a power of attorney, but get a will. My God, just get a will. It is the best thing you could possibly leave behind for your family. Money is one thing, order and peace or yeah. something else. Yeah, I would agree. Tom, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me. So that was my interview with Tom Deans. I hope you enjoyed that. And I hope you take the heart the message that everybody should have their estate plan in order. Because if not, and I speak from personal experience, and I've said it on this show multiple times before, leaving a mess behind is a way to ensure that your family does not think of you kindly when, uh, when you're gone. So with that, as always, I am Jason Pereira. This has been FinTech Impact. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.